Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining our webinar for our results for the half year ending in December. As a reminder, we have sort of three main aims as a business. The first is to bridge online to offline, which I think is becoming increasingly important. Um, we do that by linking all the systems together through the air platform and then by um, connecting with consumers through things like promotions, loyalty apps, subscriptions and gift services. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, what this is enabling is businesses to be digitally enabled and data-driven, leading to one-to-one -one marketing, and, and increasingly, I think that is viewed as the holy grail. We've had a strong six months, I hope you'll agree, and I'm particularly pleased, and we'll talk about how it's uh, demonstrating the benefits of our SaaS model. Trading has been strong. We've expedited the strategy across the three elements, wind, transact, and deepen, and in all geographies. We continue to invest as we grow to manage the growth that we're achieving and to set ourselves up for future growth. We've had a strong position on cash, which Lucy will talk more about. Post-period, we announced two further wins in the US, which I think is evident that the new business pipeline is strong, and indeed, it's at record levels. Just talking about the market a bit, I touched on this. I think that the increase in online digital activity as a result of COVID has meant that bricks and mortar retailers have never been more omnichannel. And therefore, the ability to link the elements of their business together to track consumers from one channel to the other and to communicate them as one brand in both channels is increasingly important with the result that they have increased their digital engagement strategies in order to get more data to be able to do this better. The ultimate aim in this and increasingly amounts are written about the fact that if you really want to do this well effectively and cost effectively, you need to move from segmentation to personalization. And that is where Eagle Eye comes in. Just as a reminder, in order to have a, a strong digital engagement strategy as a business, you need good data. You need the ability to transact the next best message or the next best offer from that data layer through to the consumer. And you need a great customer experience. Our place is in the transaction layer, working for major clients with um, data business partners and uh, with normally their chosen uh, customer experience. We are the leading player in the world for enterprise transaction in terms of our ability to personalize um, and the speed and security of our system's ability to do that in real time. I've started to describe us as the retail nervous system. I think it's clear and has been for quite a while now that data analytics capabilities, the data lake, etc., are all prerequisites for a modern successful business. 
But as you start to look down the left-hand side here, all the inputs that people are getting data from with regard to customers, this I'm, I'm interested purely in customer data, you can see that there's a vast and growing array of places where consumers interface. That's very complicated for if that is fed straight into the brain. Um, you know, it's just sort of an overload point. So what, it, what we do is we act as a nervous system. We correlate all of that. We pass it through uh, against an identity. The brain is then able to run its analytics and work out what the next best message and the next best offer and the next best time to send that message is. It then passes it back to us. We then have the ability to send that out through the many and increasing output platforms that are being developed and rinse and repeat. As I say, I think this significantly simplifies the operation for a retailer and enables them to order the data better for the brain and to more readily uh, have a single customer view. The next thing that we provide for them go, is a digital toolkit in which to execute those outputs. So if you look at the platform, we enable people to give coupons, to run loyalty schemes, to run coalition schemes, to have affiliations with charity, to have personalized triggers, to have gamified boosters to continuity, to run subscriptions. And more latterly, we've been developing a methodology to do it for Asda, which they believe suits their discounter profile, uh, and also for deepening loyalty through, through prep perks. So it's a rich tool set that runs off that one platform. I'm now going to hand over to Lucy, who's going to take you through the numbers. Thank you, Tim. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, it's a pleasure to present to you this morning our half-year numbers. I'm going to start with the KPIs for the half. I think you will see from these stats that we're really delivering strong SAS metrics in this half. I'll whiz through the purple ones. They're ones that we always show you. And then we've added two new KPIs for this half as well. So revenue growth of 40%, strong recurring revenue at 76%, adjusted EBITDA moving forward quite considerably at 3.1 million, which is a margin of 20%. Our churn remains incredibly low. Net cash position at the half's end was 1.8 million just 0.1, half 121. And we delivered our first maiden profit after tax at 0.6 million at the end of the half. The green KPIs below, ARR and NRR, are new to the dashboard. ARR really stepping up in terms of its growth number. So 18.9 million at the half, a 45% growth. Um, I think that gives us more certainty and surety uh, about the numbers going forward. Strong NRR at 130%, again, a step up from just over 100 at half one, 21. I think that for us really demonstrates the deepened capability of the business, where we've seen post-COVID um, a lot of our um, 
existing clients growing through both doing more transactions but also taking more capability from us as well. So a really strong set of uh, KPIs for the first half. This next slide is showing us revenue split by business model, just starting by the graph on the right-hand side. We continue to deliver growth half on half, year on year, and the graph demonstrates, particularly in this half, a lot of growth coming from both implementation revenue, but also tier one growth as well. The table on the left-hand side supports that, but I would pull out that growth particularly is uh, strong in our air strategy. So license and transaction fees coming from air really growing well. SMS fees flat in the period. And I think SMS has performed particularly better than our expectations were this time last year. I wanted to take a moment just to reflect on the IFRS 15 revenue impact for uh, this half. As a reminder, IFRS um, is about um, the deferral of um, revenue. Um, usually for us, this impacts professional services revenue, where historically we would recognise professional services revenue as and when incurred. This standard um, means that we start recognising and spreading professional services revenue over the remainder of the contract once they go live. And this has a material impact for us um, in this half. The numbers, if you had excluded IFRS 15 treatment for professional services in this period, would have grown by 79%. The reported numbers grew by 26% in the main due to the difference in the treatment of Woolworths. So this is illustrating to us really that there's future revenue still to come that is materially impacting these numbers. So 1.8 million sits on the balance sheet at the end of the half in relation to future periods. So our numbers would be actually a step up from the ones that we've reported today if we were following the old standard. This slide shows the redemption volumes, strong growth in redemptions and interactions growing by 40% in line with the top line driven, as you see on the right-hand side, predominantly by loyalty as our big tier ones move to the next stage of their client cycle, particularly Woolworths in this period. Promotions has benefited from the bounce back following COVID and a bit of seasonality around gift as well at the back end of the year, both from Black Friday and Christmas trading. So redemptions and interactions going absolutely in the right direction as we would expect. A moment on the income statement, we've talked about the top line growth, which has grown from the momentum that we had in Q4 21, which was 27% uh, revenue growth. Our gross margin has moved forward a couple of percentage points to 93% because of that mix of air and SMS, air being the dominant factor. Our net operating expenses have increased by 41%, so slightly below our gross profit growth. It's worth pulling out on the net expenses the key two key areas, really, in terms of movement in cost. One in staff costs, 
as you'll remember, staff costs are a big chunk, chunk of our operating expenses, just below 60%. They grew by 34%. IT and infrastructure costs, though, grew by a little bit more, so 46%. That represents the investment in, in our new geographies as we bring on these big clients, as you will have uh, noted. We've had two uh, big new wins in the uh, US, of which that growth in infrastructure points to that. And we'll see operational leverage coming from that in future periods. We still continue to invest in the, in the product, 2.4 million um, in the first half, half of which has been capitalized, a slight step up from where we were in half 121. Just did the EBITDA profit of 3.1 million, a step up of 50%. And worth highlighting then in terms of further down the PL profit after tax of 0.6 million was our maiden profit after tax number. So I think in terms of the PL, all things going in the right direction. It's worth mentioning in the second half, we will continue to invest, especially given the wins that we've seen in the first half, predominantly again driven by people and infrastructure. This is the net cash bridge. I won't go through the reconciliation, but I think it is worth pulling out that cash generative in half one, we ended the period at 1.8 million. We had a million cash inflow compared to an outflow of 1.4 million in the first half. At the back end of last calendar year, we secured the new facility with SVB, so switching from Barclays to SVB, of which we've signed up to a 5 million facility with a 2.5 million accordion. So I think that and the cash means that we're, we're in a strong position, especially uh, given sort of the uncertainties in the world uh, right now. I'll hand back to um, Tim for um, an update on the strategy. Thanks, Lucy. So just as a reminder then, our strategy is to win new customers, get them transacting on the platform, and then to deepen them with more transactions and additional products from the portfolio I showed you earlier. We continue to develop new products principally with them to meet their marketing needs, to take those two elements into new geographies, and to run the business in this better, simpler, cheaper way so that we can keep delivering a gradually increasing EBITDA margin whilst investing for growth. In terms of win and transact, I think we've had a strong period. You can see the logos there, including Giant Eagle post the, the half, and also the announcement of the win with Neptune of one of the largest national US grocers. And then from the previous period's pipeline, and this is one of the reasons why the NRR is growing so strongly, you can see that names that you've seen before are moving more deeply into the transaction phase. And there's a bit more color on that. So PrEP, the subscription service has, I think, been a big success for them with over a million redemptions a week. And they're now looking to take that more broadly to develop a data-driven loyalty program, which enables them to drive visits and drive spend per visit. Asda, having moved from Walmart ownership, has decided to enter the world of loyalty. 
and we are running that trial for them, which is progressing well. And Liberty have introduced an interesting program where you get a box of beauty goodies against a subscription on a regular basis. We've made good progress in North America, and it's the largest market for this type of promotion in the world. The existing relationships are developing well. We were delighted to renew the Loblaw contract for a further three years, which includes the uh, adoption of the PC Optimum Loblaw scheme into 2000 SO fuel stations and the rollout internationally, but in this case to the US, of PrEP subscriptions. I've talked about the wins of our third and fourth client, and I'll come on to that a bit more on that in a second. One of those wins was one organically through our own devices, and the other was one with Neptune Retail Solutions. And I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. If you look at this, the win opportunity block uh, in the middle there, Neptune have a relationship with 120 US retailers covering in excess of 40,000 outlets. They then acquire the right to broke media to the CPGs illustrated, some of them illustrated there on the left. That is principally an analog business, almost exclusively. Two of those 120 clients are in the top box, and there they have bought their digital services. Now, the way the digital services work is either they get part, the, the contracts get passed directly through to us, and we execute the coupons through those many issuance channels that we've talked to you about before, which are then redeemed in, in, in one of the many touch points. An added value version of that service is that it gets passed through data science, it gets more targeted, which is a more added value service, they charge the CPGs more for it, then gets passed to us and we then execute. The point really of this slide is A, to show the richness of relationships that Neptune have and the great opportunity that this relationship represents for us going forward. Uh, just a touch on ESG, I think our governance framework is strong, and if you have any questions about that, we can handle those later. Our environmental footprint is low, but we're doing the right things in that space to offset our travel, etc. I think perhaps a, a standout point there is this thing. We have decided that we will be a virtual first business. And I think we've got confidence in doing that because of the last two years, and it literally is two years. This meeting two years ago was, I think, almost the first lockdown meeting and one of the first lockdown results presentations. But that combined with the fact that we generally are, I think we have people in 17 locations now. So the, the idea that we can get people from Melbourne, uh, Toronto, um, Georgia, London, Manchester, etc., into one, one place. The only way we can do that is virtually. So I think that, the, the, that that's an important step forward in terms of how we will scale this business with confidence as it grows. And then I'd like to just take a little bit of time to talk about the social element. I think that from an ESG point of view, the social element is where we can really stand out. Our philosophy as a business 
is that the staff come first. Our objective is to create value for clients. We believe that the best way of doing that is through having a well-informed, well-engaged, well-rewarded staff who have a clear view of where the business is going and their future opportunities within it. And we work incredibly hard at that. And I think the measurement of the success of that is the NRR, the net recurring revenue, which demonstrates the value that Eagle Eye is creating for existing customers. We do an awful lot of stuff, I think, which we've talked to you about. Um, one thing we're doing at the moment, uh, which is quite fun, and this is why you've got this picture of all these people doing activities, is we are uh, in the process of virtually covering some 12,500 miles, covering 52 cities around the world um, to, um, to raise money for our charity of the year. And every year we have a little update and celebrate the people who are doing particularly well and try and get everybody off the sofa. And it's just a social piece within the business. But I am absolutely convinced that, that the work that we're doing with our people is the driver of the business performance that you are starting to see. So that brings me to the final slide. I think the ARR is strong. It's higher than the reported sales for the period. The NRR, I think, demonstrates the value that we're creating. I think there is some bounce back from COVID, by the way, and that's I, I wouldn't want to claim that it'll be 130% forever, although it does speak to the thing that we've talked to you in the past of, you know, moving from one, a pound of contract value in year one, moving to three pounds by year three. I think personalization is more and more the mood of the moment. We've entered the second half in a strong position with the announcement of those wins, the continuation of the deepening with the clients we've mentioned. Q3 trading has kicked off nicely. The revenue, you know, our contracts are multi-year, hence the, the strength of the ARR. I think the Neptune partnership um, holds tremendous opportunity for us, and I'm hopeful that that will deliver half by half going forward. And the new business pipeline is the strongest it's been ever. I think we set up about a year ago an SDR function, sales development function, and we are now starting to generate more leads on a weekly basis than we ever have done. So uh, we are confident of another year of growth and uh, that, the, that Eagle Eye is well set for the future. And I think that's it. The three of us would be delighted to take any questions that you may have. Thank you for your time and attention. The first question is from Ross Broadfoot at Investec. He's typed his question. Looking at the Neptune partnership and going direct as exemplified by Giant Eagle, should we be expecting more direct deals or does the acquisition not matter? I don't think it matters. I suppose the important point to make is that we are doing slightly different things through the different routes. Uh, on the slide that I showed you, through the Neptune partnership, what we are enabling is the opening up of digital channels 
to create a marketing stream and a revenue stream for the retailers, to, for the CPGs to do their marketing. In the direct approach, what we're usually doing is enabling people to run an all singing, all dancing loyalty scheme, which may well have personalized promotions as a part of it. So we are actually selling slightly different products. Um, and it's conceivable, although we haven't got it yet. Um, well, I, I think actually, um, if you take the SEG example, in fact, SEG is a hybrid. We do both for them. Um, so, so I think that they it doesn't much matter, but there is a significant opportunity behind both of them. And Ross had a second question. In terms of Deepen, how much scope is there for further expansion of your offering rather than transaction ramp up to those recent new wins? Significant, I would say. Um, I think that um, basically what we do at the moment is we prosecute one methodology in many different ways. And, and what that methodology is, you capture data about a consumer and then against a predetermined timetable, you send them the best offers you can. I think the one of the big opportunities we see is for what we call marketing in the moment which is rather than sending this stuff out, you know, here are your 10 offers, they come every Thursday at six o'clock, to actually start sending things out driven by different triggers, uh, more real time, reflecting what you're actually doing at the time. Nobody's really doing that yet, uh, certainly not in the omnichannel world, they clearly do it in the, uh, in, in the in digital world. So that, I think, is one example um, of the opportunity for our technology to significantly expand how digital marketing is done. So I would say we're a long way from, from being finished. Thank you. And a question from Andy Darley at FinCap. Your success in North America seems to have begun with Loblaws and then you've gained increasing brand recognition. What other territories do you have a beachhead in to develop a similar set of opportunities? It's a very good question. Woolworths, I mean, the reason that we went down to Australia in the first place is because we wanted to win Woolies. Um, you know, Woolies is the preeminent and predominant retailer in that region and so i think that's a very strong um calling card i think prep is a strong calling card it's a business that people like um it's a business that people think does well uh, perhaps slightly disproportionate to its size uh, obviously we we have most of the um the, the major uh grocery retailers in, in the UK. Um, we could do with one in continental Europe. I think that would help us. And we could do with one in Asia. So those are things that we're working on. Um, the other thing I think it's worth saying is that the, um, you know, it, it's a global, it's, it's a global industry. They look at each other, they know what they're doing. Uh, we actually uh, had a 
one of the benefits, again, of this way of working. A few weeks ago, we had a, a summit for some of our major clients from around the world. Um, and um, unfortunately for us, it was at 10 o'clock at night as we were at the hosts, but everybody else had it at a reasonable time, whether they were in Australia or North America. And, you know, the, the, the Woolies name, the Loblaws name, um, the, the, some of the new businesses that we're going to be winning in the US. These are people who like the opportunity to talk to each other about their experiences in this market. So I think it will build. I think it is fair to say that our brand recognition is growing. And I think with each win, it builds. Thank you very much. And have sales cycles started to shorten now that COVID restrictions have been lifted? I think the answer is they're still variable. <laughs> I think um, big enterprise wins do take time. Um, and I think the importance of the pipeline and the strength of the pipeline is improving is really an important factor in making sure that the win rate can continue um, at the levels that we've seen in previous uh, periods, particularly in this last half. So some some are coming down, but, but really it's quite a difficult one to answer that in terms of it's uh, the variability still stands true. I mean, I think that's fair. I, 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 I sort of put it into three buckets. Um, there's a group of people who are clear that they need to embark upon this journey but don't quite know what it means. And they meet us and we explain them to them how it can be done. And they say, are you sure? Can't somebody else do it? And that will take many, many months. There's another group of people who are clear what they want to do and then they're trying to find people to do it. That is faster. And, uh, you know, we explain our strengths and our merits in being a key part of their operating system. And then there's the North American Neptune opportunity, which when we first were presented with it, one of the sort of slight jolts was everybody was on a two or three year contract with their existing supplier. And it was all and actually, funnily enough, SEG was one of those. Uh, you know, I knew the sales and or the marketing director at SEG at the time and spoke to her and she said, oh, we just signed a contract. Well, bizarrely, they actually became our first client because the, because the good thing about that is that contracts come to an end. And there's a there's an automatic re-procurement process. And so that gets, you know, a third of the industry. So a third of those 120 clients are, in theory, available any year for a conversation. They know what they're doing. They know how they do it. They know what the revenue stream is. They've just got to determine that they want to, they want to switch. They want to switch to our tech and Neptune's uh, media provision. And if they do, then that moves pretty fast. So it is variable uh, depending upon the sort of client. Our installation from contracting is speeding up, definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, so six months or less, whereas previously you might have been a year, 18 months, even in some of the early days, some of you have followed us for a long time, even two years, 
So that has speeded up quite substantially. A lot of because of our capability, but also a lot because the clients realise they need to crack on. Tremendous. Thank you very much. And that's the end of questions. Do you have any closing remarks, Tim? Thank you for your time. Sorry we still live in this um, rather bizarre world um, and clearly even more troubling at the moment. Um, I, I think the, the one thing that I would just want to say about these results is I think what you're starting to see uh, exemplified in Eagle Eye is why um, people like you like SaaS businesses as much as you do. And I think uh, in all measures, um, you know, Eagle Eye is strengthening uh, its performance as a SaaS business. And I think these are, I hope you'll agree, our strongest set of results in that regard ever. Um, thank you for your time, and I wish you luck. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.